Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open to the public and on the level. To interact with us, as always, send questions and comments on the Facebook page or on the YouTube page. Love seeing the chats live, and uh, your chat may even show up on the show. So good seeing you all live, and if not, good listening to you later. You know me. My name is John Ruark. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. Next up for his introduction, Jason Richards. Hey, Jason. Hey, John. Um, how are we going to listen to them later? Uh, telepathically. They're listening to us. I, will, I listen. I know all. Thank you for you, listening. You have not later. reached that level of Masonic enlightenment yet. But no, one, day, okay. one day you'll get there. I have to join the Scottish Rite first. <laughs> hey, everybody. Jason Richards, past master vacation lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, member of the Colonial Lodge number 1821 in Washington, D.C., and Lafayette Lodge number 79 in Zanesville, Ohio. You want a petition? Like, I can get you a Scottish Rite petition right now. So I value my marriage over my masonry. <laughs> ah, got you. Well, that's a good call. All right. Next up, Robert Johnson. Good evening and hello. <gasps> <gasps> Howdy. Why did you uh, shave? Oh man, I just my daughter was like, "Can I shave your beard?" And I said, "Okay." That's nice. So, but it's already grown back. I mean, like a week ago, but yeah. goodness mm -hmm. gracious! Yeah, yeah. Fast mm -hmm. uh, Master Waukegan, seventy-eight, current sitting secretary at uh, Space Novum, eleven eighty-three, uh, the future home of uh, Masonicon Chicago, twenty twenty-three. Nice, awesome. Look forward to that. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, broadcasting from Manassas, Virginia, Dominic Andrews, John Martinez, and Ahmed Marhum. Hello! What have we got going on there? Well, I'm Joe Martinez, uh, still, still, right? Worshipful master of Manassas Lodge. There's still time. Yep, two-timer. Uh, master of the Lodge, worshipful is debatable. Indeed, and that's okay. Good to see you, too. <laughs> and we have some guests tonight. Uh, we just got out of uh, a meeting, and uh, we had some people who wanted to opine. So I've got first because his introduction is way shorter. Brother El Medi Marhum, tell us where you're from. Uh, Studio Warden, Patriot Lodge, 1957, and uh, Ashburn starting to 88. Nice. And the man with the longest Masonic resume on the planet, <laughs> Donna Andrews. Read us the first chapter, Don. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm on Virginia lodges. My mother lodge back in Iowa, and a lodge over in Ireland. So. Boom. And probably at this point, the most long standing, numerous guest that we have had on the show in the nine years of us doing this. Are you? Yeah, he's been on a That's bunch. That's true. Yeah, it's at least four or five. Yeah. People like him. We like it. By the way, we've been on the air for nine years. Ooh, we wow. had our nine year anniversary oh, last month. You don't broadcast. You're not on the air, you're on the stream. On the stream. Down, downstream, the interweb, upstream, yeah. on the line for the Wi-Fi. On, on the line. That's a good reference. All right, so uh, let's see. Definitely want to give a shout out to all the patrons who support the show. You guys are awesome. Uh, if you want to support the show, uh, head over to Patreon.com/slash The Masonic Roundtable, and that helps uh, keep this show going for many, many years to come. You guys rock. Love to see you over in our little private Facebook group. So with that, let's get into now. What? With that, you will give it over to me. I will give it over to you because we have a new item on the agenda for tonight. And that oh. is what, Jason? Uh, hey, everybody. Um, the Masonic podcasting community is relatively small. And uh, some podcasts are, are more tightly knit than, than others. Um, but we lost someone in the Masonic podcasting community this week. Uh, really, really stings. And that was uh, Brother Pete Ruggieri from the Masonic Light Podcast. Um, we've known Brother Pete and then Larry and the, the others from the Masonic Light Podcast since we went to the Pennsylvania Academy of Masonic Knowledge back in 2016. So going on seven years, uh, knowing those, those awesome brethren, um, watching their show kind of blossom and, and grow. And uh, Brother Pete passed away 
this week. And so from um, from everyone here at the Masonic Roundtable, we just want to give our most heartfelt condolences to the entire Masonic Light podcast team, um, as well as uh, those friends, family, and brethren in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, God, Pete was awesome. Um, he was such an amazing brother, and uh, you know he he extended me especially such such wonderful hospitality the times that I was in Lancaster. Um, so, Pete, we love you. We're gonna miss the hell out of you. And uh, the for the rest of the Lancaster gang, we we mourn with you. So let us know if there's anything we can do. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough, and uh, it's it's touching to see all of the the impact that he's he's made um, as a as a mason and a man across all the comments, um, all all over the, uh, the where his uh, obituary shared and everything on the internet. So, yeah, truly, uh, truly, the good ones uh, go young. So. You'll be missed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's kind of a hard act to follow, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the show must go on. So um, we'll move into the next topic, which is our tarot card of the week. And so um, I, for one, have now got a new setup. So I will actually pull up my deck here. Let me share here. What deck is this? This is a fun one. This is actually probably my first. Yeah, probably first first deck I got from Brother Jason. It is the Eight Bit Tarot. So if you like if you like old school video games and you like tarot deck, it's it's the, the best of both worlds. What if you don't? So say again. And <laughs> you're on the wrong show. Then what you're on you the don't? wrong show. And shuffling the deck, we're gonna pull a single card, and a card is going to be. What have we got here? We have got the. Knight of Coins, Knight of Pentacles. Oh, yeah. so you, so is that reversed the, or no? Is, is it inverted? Yeah, it's you got it upside down. Yeah, well. it's upside down to us. Yes. <laughs> so it's funny because it's upside down the way I'm laying it out. See, like my here's my hand here. Oh, okay. Um, so it's inverted. So, it, so it's truly inverted. And uh, so the Knight of Coins, Knight, Knight of Pentacles, all the knights are action-oriented cards. But yet the Knight of Coins is interesting because uh, his horse isn't moving. He's a little bit more... Uh, grounded right and he's more contemplative he's holding that coin out so it's it's really about being active with your planning in your financial and your material uh concepts anything else you guys want to add to that pentacles is all about the money it's all about the money so yeah you're you're stepping back and you're assessing it might be future plans um you know it could be in business or anything that that might impact your wealth and standing could be a big purchase could be something like that a, a new endeavor um tangibles as robert yeah. says in the chat yep check yourself before you wreck your financial self yes now what does it mean to be reversed though mm. so it's, it's contemplative so it means hey maybe you're not being as careful as you need to be maybe you yeah. maybe you need to stop and reflect joe like Joe. No, I was, Joe was not this Joe. Joe's, yes, this guy. Highlighting an example. Yes. Yes, that guy right there. <laughs> Me. Not them. They're, they plan well. These two. Nice. I awesome. Well, there you go. So that's that's something to think about this week. Moving on to tonight's show's topic, which is that <laughs> Dylan's talking about his NFTs are going to make it big. That's 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 the the way you can use the Knight of Pentacles. I guarantee. That Bitcoin's only going to go up, even though it's down ten percent today. The world needs dreamers. Okay, <laughs> yes. the world needs dreamers. Stagnation. Oh, stagflation. Can we give a uh, just just because uh, it's probably our, our longest distance um, yeah, uh, listener see. right now? Let me let's give a shout out to Brother Mo from Israel. He is chiming yes. in from the Promised Land. Wow. Good to see you, Mo. And I think it's like miss you, buddy. Very early in the morning. Super there. early. So yeah. that's dedication. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, brother Mo. Yeah, we all miss you, Mo. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mo. <laughs> all right. Tonight's topic is going to be a fun one. So we've uh, 
we've been thinking about what's been going on, a lot of the discussions that have been going on in webs lately, and we really wanted to step back and revisit an old topic about uh, the origins and the intent of Freemasonry, specifically, as the title implies, is Freemasonry Christian only? So I'm sure we'll have lots of context here about uh, you know, where where uh, Christianity falls into this uh, religious, but um, not a religion part of the fraternity, and then have a discussion about where we go from here. So um, I, I'm going to turn it over to our uh, most esteemed colleague. I'll do. I'll go to Brother Don and and just kind of lay out um, the kind of the beginnings of Freemasonry as you you can just pull off the top of your head because I know you're a walking encyclopedia. Well, and, and he was alive during the... He was actually there. So, yes. <laughs> Weren't you in like Anderson, like BFS back then? <laughs> Desigouillet and, and yeah. Don used to drink. <laughs> but, but used to partake of the Philosopher's Stone together. Yes. <laughs> but to get right to the point, I mean, it's certainly... Freemasonry started, correct me if I'm wrong, in a Church of England context. Like it was, it was very much a different time period of how religion was you know, in society. Is that well, true, Don? If you, yeah, if you take a look at uh, how we address our various officers as uh, right worshipful, uh, most worshipful, worshipful, uh, it's exactly the same as they had in the Church of England. Uh, your bishop was a uh, right, uh, what would be right, <laughs> he, he he was uh not worshipful but uh, right doggone I totally slipped in my mind a similar title yeah yeah similar title uh, the right was uh, his station uh the uh uh reverend there you go that's what oh, i was reverend, looking for yeah. right the, your reverend is a priest uh your right reverend is a bishop and your uh uh, most reverend is the archbishop. So uh, there you go. That's the hierarchy. Uh, you find a lot of the uh, uh, same things, like uh, the Royal Arch is a chapter. Well, what is what is a chapter? Why did they call it a chapter? Uh, in the monastic society, uh, St. <laughs> Benedict wrote a, a rule, and it was a very lengthy book actually uh lots of detail to the rule but every day they would have a meeting and they would read a chapter of his rule and that's oh. how it be and the the room in which they meet is called the chapter room uh and they would conduct any business that they had as well but they would always start by reading a chapter so that's where the capitular masonry comes from uh and if you look up the word capitular, it's having to do with the chapter. <laughs> so there you go. Thanks. <laughs> Very interesting. So yeah, we, we copied a lot of stuff out of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And, however, and, however, look at our however. teachings. Our teachings are anything but uh, Christian or exclusive. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Which um, it wasn't always that way, though. Currently, currently it's much more um, open to other faiths, uh, obviously. It's much more ecumenical. Ecumenical. Than, well, than it was when it started. Or non-secular religious. Non-sectarian. Right. Yeah, non-sectarian. I mean, what, what I was going to actually ask Don was, and, and I think you guys know this too, wasn't one of the reasons why there was that initial split in England was because of one side wanted to, started to heavily Christianize the ritual and throw a lot of direct religious references into Freemasonry. And the other side said, no, it needs to be more universal. And that was one of the reasons why had the split into the ancients and the moderns, among many, many other reasons. That was definitely right. uh, something that came. The moderns play. were the ones that they got that name because they were trying to modernize. It was a it was a derogatory term, right? The we, moderns were actually the older, yeah, of the two, because the new guys came in and said, "Well, we're the we're the originals," even though they were, we're not we're not changing as much. So we're going to go back to the ancient ways, even though they were the the newer split off. Mm -hmm. Ooh, got a question here from an old friend. Mike oh, the intern. Mike the intern. How are hey. you, buddy? Hey. Yeah. Isn't it more Abrahamic? Thoughts on that? Hmm. Well, so um, there's a really good book that Jason has, which uh, we went like 
half half season uh, called Sacred Secrets. Sacred Secrets. And uh, one brother actually did a really good job of pulling through all the degrees, including the Orkwright degrees. He's probably going to go find it. And where all the Bible references are, right, of the Old Testament, New Testament, etc. And so, um, in general, if you use the kind of the Preston Webb ritual, that there are, it's probably what, 90%, there it is, thank you, Jason. Let's uh, zoom in on that. It's probably 90% um, Old Testament, the yep. Jewish Bible, and that, but yet there is still in the, the three degrees references to some New Testament verses, texts as well. So we can't say it's entirely Abrahamic, or it's, it's of the Abrahamic faith, right? The Abrahamic arch, but, um, but not strictly like Old Testament Jewish. Right. Well, it's much, <clears throat> I think Blue Lodge Masonry is much more Old Testament than, say, like KT. Yes. But not entirely. That's my point is you, right. you will still have um, New Testament references um, in the modern three degrees. Right. So, question: um, yes. Does that mean that it's still Abrahamic, or that those who wrote the ritual decided to use those stories for its allegorical framework? You know, and and so I ask, and it's it's not a rhetorical question. That's an interesting question because you know I hear, and you know what prompted this was you know again the interwebs aflutter with people making claims that you know Freemasonry is directed towards Christians, mm -hmm. implying that it's in towards Christians it's only. Christian in nature. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's just a pile of crap. Right. Um, you know, so <laughs> tell me how tell you really feel. You might that. as well just run the outro and, <laughs> and, and we're done. Yes. Because um again, I, I you know I look back to you know stepping outside of of the book. And this is jurisdictional, right? Um, you know, let's you know before we get all the haters and stuff like that. <laughs> and people starting to comment. I mean, let's throw this out there. There are countries where you absolutely have to be a Trinitarian Christian in order yes. to become a Freemason. Those are in the minority, though. You know, True. it is not the majority. Mm -hmm. It is not the plurality. Mm -hmm. um, you know, any any country. Well, some of the Scandinavian order, any, Swedish yeah, right. The Swedish right. Any yeah. countries that um, subscribe to the Swedish right, and that is their primary means of Freemasonry, you have to be a Trinitarian Christian. Done deal. We're not arguing that point. We're talking right. about. Your continental, typical continental like, blue lodge, blue lodge. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you. you. To get into like, KT and the SRICF and a couple other York bodies, and they make up their own rules. Add to it that, like Brother Mole, right now he's in Israel and he's visiting Israel lodges, so they're Jewish lodges, and a lot of Muslim countries that they have, uh, they have uh, lodges as well. And, you know, like you don't use the Bible, they don't open on the Bible, they open on the Quran. So you have different uh, ritual based on uh, the country where you're practicing. And it's based on, so we cannot, I mean, the question is, is it based off Christianity? I mean, yes, based on what Don McAndrew said from the origin of it, but from how it's practiced in different countries that differs. And uh, in modern practice in the United States, we see it more of, I think the Abrahamic religion concept is more like embedded into the practice of it. So, but look at our first three degrees. I mean, uh, that's all Abrahamic. I mean, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. Very, very true. So, you know, which is, which is interesting because this, this nuance is really important, which is why when we, when we wrote the, the, the title for this episode is Freemasonry Christian only, right? Boy, that, that, certainly has a certain inclination right, uh, or connotation to that. Um, so we're, we're already setting the stage. We're saying, setting the foundation that um, it was definitely Abrahamically inspired. It definitely, um, at least in its origin, had uh, Old and New Testament references but why? in there. But why? Because, I, I have a, I go have ahead. You go first. Don't want to do it. So um, I think... The, the idea behind it, and especially I want to refer to two practices that I think that inspired Freemasonry, which is the Kabbalah and <clears> Sufism, <throat> and we should both they come in from Abrahamic religions. And I feel there's a lot of 
uh, inspiration in Freemasonry from those two practices. I mean, we see a lot of it in Scottish Rite. Uh, I mean, uh, there are degrees in the Scottish Rite that talks about Kabbalah and talks about Sufism. So there's a lot of things that are involved into the, to it. So I think why it's come from Abrahamic religion is because there were inspirations from the, the other practices. Yeah, I- I feel like where Freemasonry is quote-unquote Christian is really only there to appease the overwhelming majority of the religion in which the country, you know, the the craft develops. And it's tied to those religions in order to uh, remove stigma and to make people feel better about it. And at the same time, giving somebody a common archetype to practice these things through. So, for instance... Uh, cathedral builders, if you want to take that, cathedral builders into uh, spe- uh, speculative masonry kind of theory, right? You've got cathedral builders. You mean the one theory to the origins of Freemasonry that's actually credible? The, the one that's credible, <laughs> <laughs> right? So you've got a, a cathedral builders who are paid by the church, right? Guild bylaws that are directed at protecting the community of builders, uh, taking an oath and obligation on guild bylaws, and then the series of manuscripts that come out later in in Freemasonry, you know, certainly do mention Christianity. And in some instances, you can only be a Mason if uh, you've taken communion and things of these na- of this nature. But in the large majority of 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 Masonry as a progressive moral science, like it feels as though Christianity is the allegory. Or is uh, the archetype that we use for these stories? And then you've got, of course, somebody who somewhat recognizes this and, and works to remove all of the religious dogma from the ritual, the Duke of Sussex. He, he tries to take it all out. It takes, I think, almost 14 years for anybody to listen to the, the guy. But uh, So it just seems as though it's a common archetype for me anyway. And what has happened is it the the entire concept of an archetype or a system that could mean anything that we use just because it's common is lost on the vast majority of actual practitioners of Christianity in that sense. Like, oh, we're special. It's for us because it's based on us. No, it's based on this because right. it's commonly known. And you yeah, know what? Exactly. If it gives you something extra as a Christian, it is so awesome. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. So, RJ, I want to append to what you said, um, the concept of Abrahamic religion. Which religion has initiation, passing, and raising? Islam. They have three degrees, which is initiation, passing, and raising. So there is a big inspiration there from the Islamic teachings, and which is the three degrees we have in Blue Watch. So exactly what you were saying, there is... There is a need, like there is a concept of knowledge of Christianity, and people see it that way. But its foundation, it's very influenced by a lot of Abrahamic teachings from Judaism, from Islam, and from Christianity. Yeah, and I think you, you had a good point, Robert, too, that um, just because the morals were put together in this system of morality, um, that were that drew from these different sources, to include Shakespeare, right? Let's not let's not deny that that you can pull moral instruction and ideas and how to be a better person from many sources. And this was just, you know, 300 plus years ago, this is how it, it came to be. Right. So Joe. Yeah, no, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, right? It's going back to Robert's point and even to, to Medi's point, this is a story that we've chosen to use to impart certain lessons. Um, if you go back before the 16th and the 17th century, these lessons were still being taught, but they were using different stories. Okay. And, you know, if we're going to get super um, mystery school Freemasonry right now, um, it's the same story packaged in different ways over thousands of years. Um, you know, the stories in, you know, uh, to some extent, the stories in, uh, Mithraic cults, in Orphic cults, in the Eleusinian cults, uh, in the priesthood of Egypt. Um, the stories told a lesson. And nine times out of ten, they were allegorical. Um, you know what I mean? Like, we think that the ancients were just complete idiots and, you know, um, 
you know, if they saw something weird, they attributed to the gods. No, they were just like us. Um, you know, they had the same reasoning and common sense that we do. Um, it's just legend and myth tend to exacerbate certain qualities of our, of our ancestors, but we're telling the same story. It's that same journey that we're all taking for us. It just happens to go through that quote unquote, I'll say biblical lens more than anything else. Well, you know, yeah. the uh, uh, Royal Arch starts every meeting with the Lord's prayer. Well, the Lord's prayer attributed to Jesus is actually almost a perfect copy of a very ancient uh, priestly prayer of Egypt. So uh, there you go. And Ralph Ellis has written some books claiming that uh, Jesus was actually the last pharaoh of lower Egypt. And he has some convincing evidence. Interesting. Yeah, I, I recommend Ralph Ellis to you. Uh, his first of a five-book series is uh, Jesus, the Last Pharaoh. And uh, it gives you more of an overview of the whole series. But the series is just a fascinating piece of work and research that he's done, which is just amazing. Now, as, as a young Mason, I always wondered what was the deal with the animosity between the Roman Catholic Church and Freemasonry uh, in my lifetime as an adult? I can remember when the uh, Bishop of Lincoln, Nebraska, banned any Mason from communion. Flat out banned it. He, now he got corrupted later on, slapped down. Well, that still happens today, Don. I, I know a few Catholic Masons that uh, have been but um, it always told them not receive the sacrament. It always bothered me is there is nothing in Freemasonry that I've ever encountered that would be objectionable to any Roman Catholic. What is you just. You haven't reached a high enough degree, Don. It's that it's that inner circle. No, no. Here's here's what it is. Here's what it is. Him? Are you serious? Don, Don doesn't know what he's talking about. All the circles. He's he's talking about the highest of the highest. Pure and simple. The reason behind that animosity is money. No, no. Bottom line is what does Freemasonry teach? What what do they ask you after each of your first three degrees when you're finally? Hoodwink is taken off, and the master asks you a question. What do you most desire? Oh, I thought you were going to ask about joining the shrine. No, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> later. That's later. No, no. Seriously, they, the answer to that is light. We, we are taught to seek truth. We are taught to seek knowledge. We are taught to seek light. Well, many of the Roman Catholics' uh, hierarchy... Uh, are of an opinion that we will tell you what truth is. Exactly. We don't want you going out there looking for it yourself. Right. We don't mm -hmm. want you making up your mind. We will tell you what to believe. Mm -hmm. Exactly. To that point, like, it's all about free thinkers. Like Roman Catholics churches, they don't right. like the free right. thinkers concept. Well, they have their own free thinkers, but uh, uh, they tend to be suppressed. <laughs> exactly. mm -hmm. So Freemason teaches to be free thinkers and be outside of that box from mm -hmm. that perspective. So, <laughs> Yeah, so I think again that just to double down on the point too, that I was thinking if if a system of morality like Freemasonry were created today without having this um, Abrahamic foundation to it, then you know you could you could pull a moral system together using a lot of different sources, right? You could you would use modern leadership techniques, you'd use you know other types of new age thinking, and, and pull that all together into some sort of system as well. And so the the point being is that you do not need to be a committed follower of that particular system in order to appreciate the lessons that it entails, wherever it, wherever it comes from. I want to mention two things to two point, John, and to everybody's point so far. So the concept of the Abrahamic religion, or actually there's more than Abrahamic religion into these practices. So we open the Bible on specific like chapters, right? It's the same concept in the, in the Islamic lodges in the, in the Muslim countries. They open it in specific locations in, 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 the, in the Quran. So, and they actually, they are both the same stories. The same thing in the Jewish lodges. So you can see that they, we, they are used, the books, even the when on the altar, when we open the Bible for every, de every degree, it's open about the same story. And the concept that also want to go back to the free thinkers way. I want, I, we're all Americans here, the one we're talking. I'm sure that we have some people that not. I'm Irish American, but. Okay, I'm sorry. I forgot about that. I keep forgetting. No way. <laughs> I, I'm American, contrary to what people say but, on the internet. Exactly. But 
go back to where Americans, America was founded by and enlarged by free thinkers. As, we, as the history mentioned, the nine founders that they were thinking about the concept because they were free thinkers. They sit down and they thought about how we can colonize, uh, take out the colonization of the British and so forth. And that's where the free thinker concept comes in, is the, the concept of how can we think outside the box? How can we see things beyond things? How can we, you know, like think about like why this is purple and things of a kind. So that's the, the teachings of Freemasonry that is beyond, it's, that's why it cannot be encapsulated into a, a religion itself or into a Well, let's see about that. Um, one thing that, that totally gets people mixed up, which is jurisdictional, is what questions are being asked as you join Freemasonry? Because depending on which jurisdiction you're in, you may get a different phrasing of the religious requirement to join Freemasonry, which is going to lead some people to the question of tonight's episode. Uh, so um, I know that Brother Joe has done some research as of late to explore what those options are. So Joe, why don't you tell us uh, what led you down this rabbit hole? Uh, why don't you pull up a slide so I can get my seat? I will. I yes. will. Medi is getting too comfortable in my seat. No, you're the one that and, said uh, you can take it. <laughs> John's going to have to change the you caption again. Medi parted <laughs> in Joe's chair. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I went through the interwebs and got a lot of help from, from lots of brothers. Thank you so much to everyone who responded to my request for help. And I basically looked at the uh petitions of all 50 uh grand lodge jurisdictions uh non-prince hall um the uh, uh regular grand lodges even though i hate that term um looked at their petitions and looked at the questions concerning a requirement for belief and john you know the awesome data person that he is um codified it all and um yeah this is what we got so we went through all 50 states quote unquote and went through the different beliefs 49 or uh wait what, what didn't we, we get? didn't get west virginia i did get west virginia you didn't update it i didn't it's your job what, do, what is on damn it um it was actually a pretty liberally asked one i was very surprising um <laughs> i will find it's in it's in my messenger but sure, anyway sure. we got 49 states there but yeah so uh if you go back to the questions um you can see the different, uh, yeah, go back to the data. Some jurisdictions ask for a belief in a supreme being, right, which is what gets touted on the internet and, and by most people. Some jurisdictions talk about the existence of one true and living God. That's really phrased interestingly. And in the immortality of the soul. Okay, mm -hmm. so you have to be able to qualify for those two things. Um, those are those are the two overtly dogmatic assumptions in the Masonic ritual, though. There is, well, there's a step further. Um, there's some that ask the existence of God, immortality of the soul, and the resurrection of the body. Okay, so that right there mm. does kind of mm. sit in the realm of dogma. Um, yeah. You know, it does. Uh, if you scroll you down. You also see monotheism, right? Say what? They also, some of them have asked about a monotheistic, is it, or no? No, th these are all the questions Not that no. On the petitions, not on the petition. There have been a couple jurisdictions over the past ten years or so who have tried to. Church. Words matter. Yeah. Have have tried to discourage polytheists from joining. <laughs> yep, and uh, so then you get some that are very, very, I think, dogmatic. Um, you have one that asks, do you believe in the existence of the Supreme Being? And if you are a member of a church, and to name your church. <clears throat> really interesting. Wow. <clears throat> so you can see the, the spectrum here uh, from, I think we have one that's, that's nothing specific that's been called out, all the way to layers upon layers. So what, what I did was I took Joe's research and, and spread it out by variables. Basically, if there's a comma, like that's a different question that's being asked because some of them were supreme being and this and, and broke that all out. And what that gets you is this, uh, this little colorful bar chart here where just from a, a 10,000 foot view, what you see is in general, 
or another way to show it is this histogram in general uh the blue is does the does that grand lodge uh want you to have a belief in a supreme being and so 31 out of the 50 or so that we've got um so the majority say supreme being um then another subset of those maybe you know, then again these aren't uh, mutually exclusive because some call that supreme being god um god by name is at least 15 jurisdictions and then immortality of the soul or belief in an afterlife there's eight jurisdictions there and it goes down from there so plotting these out basically the way you want to read this is um the number of variables that are required here so some of these jurisdictions have things such as we just talked about <clears throat> texas has um the belief in god by name the belief in the immortality of the soul and the belief in the holy scriptures so you could see that is much more uh restrictive in the sense of petition for application as compared to um just rhode island whose only question on the statement of faith is uh are you basically non-atheist yep i love that my my question is um and i feel like this is not inherently like the original purpose of but has become more and more important to certain folks in the ambiguity with the definitions of these things and so what I mean is by saying the Holy Scriptures, uh, define that. And the only reason not to define that is to give yourself an out to allow an administrative body to govern the types of people who are a part of the organization. So like, what are the Holy Scriptures? Right. And if it doesn't clearly state in the bylaws and constitutions that the Holy Scriptures constitute any and all um, quote-unquote revered writings for any particular faith, then you leave room for the ambiguity for the Grand Master to essentially not, not saying that the Grand Master would do this, but saying it's a hypothetical. Any Grand Master could say, uh, sorry, uh, the Holy Scriptures is the Holy Bible, not the Quran. So you're out. What about the Tanakh? Exactly. Right. <laughs> what, what is that? That's Abraham. <laughs> I have a question there. So it asks about the Holy Scriptures. Does it ask it with a concept that it needs to know which one because you take an obligation so, on a Holy Scripture? Yeah, so go to that. Yeah, so let's go ahead. I believe that's Texas, right? Yep. So that's the question they ask. They ask in the belief in the existence of God, the immortality of the soul, and the divine authenticity of the Holy Scripture. Which Holy Scripture? It doesn't say. That's all it you says know, on the Facebook one. So as long as you have a Holy Scripture that you've been, it can take, be. So yeah, to, you take an oath, like, and that oath has to be taken on a Holy Scripture. Yeah. So to that point, that's and that's what we're trying to talk about. Some people, and I, I like where RJ was going, but I was thinking of it more, more grassrootsy. Reading this petition at a local lodge level, you know, you can have a lodge full of guys that, you know, you and I are petitioning a lodge and they interpret that divine authenticity of Holy Scripture as the King James Bible. So you fill out a petition, I fill out a petition, you'd have a hard time signing that petition with the question if it's told to you and explained to you. Oh, we're talking about the Holy Bible. I got I you know, what you're saying. So right, you know, right. my fear is more, my fear is more the local interpretation of how awesome. petitions are given to potential candidates and how they're explained to people. And this is, this is where some of my, and how they're judged yeah, by the brethren, right. how they're judged. That's right. This is the concern, right? Because if it doesn't come down from on high and if there isn't continuity across all jurisdictions on this question, well, I thought Freemasonry was universal guys. Well, is it though? How, how there there are differences. Okay. We are all universally on the level. That's why there's so many, <laughs> many of them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So another fascinating thing that came out of those, Joe's research is, uh, as I categorized it here on this, this graphic here, 
the orange is BYO VSL. Bring your own VSL, Volume of Sacred Law. Let's give shout outs to those jurisdictions. Let's definitely give shout outs to those. So we have um, Nebraska. Wow. Kudos, Nebraska. And Oklahoma. Oklahoma, wow. kudos. Yes. Oh, Explicitly. Nice. So for said, those, yeah, it says on the petition itself if you do not, if the Holy Bible is not your book of faith, you can bring your own holy book of choice. Uh, mm-hmm. And some of our lodges have four different books on the altar at all times anyway. Right. Yes. Right. But it's, it's nice to have that clarification on the petition for application of membership. Yeah, we do that a lot in Washington, D.C. too, Don. That's right. <clears throat> you see like mm-hmm. 10 different volumes of sacred law. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important, right, to because words mean things and um, people that are joining the fraternity are usually not as well-versed in the rules and bylaws and don't know all of the loopholes and, and Grand Lodge rules and edicts that come out. So their, their first filter, their first pass and experience of the religiosity of Freemasonry will be on the petition for, for membership. And how it's worded in that jurisdiction is their taste of masonry as they know it. And so that can that can incite people or that could turn people off. So there's you have to be careful how that's being used. Well, and it puts a it puts a stigma, well it whether it's deserved or not, all the way at the beginning of the process, right? You have this petition and it's if it's very pointed and asks very targeted questions, you are kind of leading a potential candidate on a certain way of thinking. Right. Whereas you have, I forget which jurisdiction it was. All it asks is you're not an atheist. Boom, done. No more clarification. Um, no more qualifying questions or statements. It pretty much, at, and that's Rhode Island. Kudos. Double points for Rhode Island. You're so cute. Look at you. You're so cute and little <laughs> and, and, and universal. Love you guys. Um, but, but to that point, I think, and this is kind of what we were talking about when we put the show together was, you have a bunch of people out there on the interwebs that are taking their own personal ideologies about Freemasonry and making statements about the entirety of the craft based on those personal ideologies. And that, yes, get a pen out, is wrong. <gasps> okay? So, listen. This young man right here is Muslim. I'm a Christian. Okay? You will never see me with a square and compass or a Masonic hat or some other piece of regalia proselytizing or pushing a particular faith mm-hmm. because that's something you do not do. Right. It's on Masonic. It's on Masonic. Well said. Yeah. It's on Masonic. It's on Masonic. It is. Yeah. I want to add to the, to Joe's point. Uh, uh, yeah. I got to ask why that's on Masonic. Well, I, I want to add to Joe's point. So we are travelers, right? That's what we are. Masons are travelers. Uh, knowing, People that travel the world, you get to see other cu- countries, other cultures, other things, how to do people doing things, and you learn from them. Well, being a Mason, you travel from a lodge to lodge, from a jurisdiction to another jurisdiction. And when you see to other jurisdictions and see how they're doing things, you're learning from it. So you cannot make an assumption based on only your jurisdiction and say, basically because of my jurisdiction, the whole Freemasonry worldwide is like this. It's, it's pr- and they Right, have- and that's the point. People are... Again, people, a lot of people, not all people, people are out there taking their provincial masonry and saying that this is, this is, this is what Freemasonry is period. Yeah. But back to, back to Robert's question. Um, I I will defend many when he said it's on Masonic. Um, I don't think that proselytizing has any place in a Masonic lodge. Right. So to take that a step further, like I'm not, I'm not going to sit down with Don and convert him to my faith. Um, that is incorrect, and it, it speaks to the opposite of the universality of Freemasonry. And that's right? why religion is not allowed to be discussed in lodges. So. Exactly. But, like, if they're not in a lodge, and let's say I put on, I'm, I'm just going to pretend here, okay? I'm going to put on, I got my Masonic hat on, Waukegan 78, old school. Let's say I go to church and I wear my hat. And I put it on when I leave the church and I'm hanging out, having a brunch, and I'm talking about uh, my particular religion. 
and I am proselytizing. So, I, so can I clarify my point? I'm what I meant to see. My, I'm a Sonic to say that you, we cannot accept other faith because uh, based uh, based on based our on your interpretation, uh, but, but out my interpretation, I feel like it's Amazonic to say I don't want to like I don't want to bring more light to somebody because we take men and make them better. So we cannot say, I don't want to bring Matt more light to somebody because of the specific faith, as long as he believes in a deity, uh, in a in supreme being, and have a holy scriptures that he has. So. But, but to your point, Robert, I do wear my Masonic hat to church. Um, I go to the cool service where you can wear jeans and a hat, you know, so I don't have to get dressed up because I'm a lazy schlub like hippie that. Hippie church, got it. I, hippie church. But... Um, but yeah, so I, like I said, but what I won't do is go on social media or go on this podcast and wear Masonic emblems and then proselytize faith. So, you know, if I'm wearing a Masonic hat at home and my kids are asking me about faith and things like that, that's one thing. Um, if it's if I'm using a public platform and I'm wearing things that are considered to be Masonic, that's a little weird. Because you're now a representative for Freemasonry, whether you're on Facebook or on the YouTube or any other social media platform that's out there. Um, people go to you and you're like, oh, that's Jason. He's a Freemason. So I'm going to listen to what he has to say. Holy crap. Freemasonry is for Christians only. You know, I'm just using you as an example. <laughs> Bad yeah, example. It seems yes. like how the Russians Thanks, the election. Yeah. It's, it's not really my problem. Like other people's uneducatedness about a topic. But you're informed. <laughs> you're an informed human being. <laughs> so we're talking about religion and politics now. Awesome. Good, I think, I think yeah, both that's... should be allowed in lunch. I'll be honest. But... Let it in. This was, this was a nice fraternity we used to have. It really was. <laughs> when we swept all of our bigger problems <clears throat> under the rug and read the minutes while singing Kumbaya. Yeah, yeah. right. Awesome. Okay. Um, Joe, is there anything else you wanted to, to cover about, about some of the findings and research that you found? No, I, th I mean, I think we covered everything. Uh, I thought, like I said, I thought it was really interesting that um, for the most part, you know, the big questions are asked, but it's really interesting how each jurisdiction asks these questions a little bit differently. My only questions would be, and we, we're not going to answer them today. Um, has it always been like that or has it changed over the years? What did a petition look like a hundred years ago? you know, in New York or in California or something like that. You know, I'm sure they were different and I'm sure they've changed over time. Well, that would make an amazing like Masonic research paper, right? Just to not see. It. Not yes. it. I'm recall not, not it as well. So oh, RJ, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading a comment over here. What did you uh, say? What did I, what did I get? You've just signed up for a, uh, a, a 20 page research paper on the various evolution of, um, religious questions on petitions across all okay, well, you know, okay so i can include it in the notes section of a paper called addressing christian fragility in freemasonry in light of its pagan ritualistic appropriation don's ears perked up he's like Ooh, say more my it's gonna be, be great you'll love it <laughs> If Joe sat on his hands, he would mumble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it was a really good, really good uh, conversation. So I think we'll start to go around the horn and ask the question of the day as we close. And I'm going to start with the room full of big brains over there and ask the title of the episode. Is Freemasonry Christian only? What say you? Let's start with you pick you pick Joe in, in the room. Come on. Age Come before you go. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Brother Matty? Oh, I'm Muslim. I'm Mason. So, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. That's how you get us in trouble. <laughs> Christian only. <laughs> uh, I want to I add one more thing. I would love to see that diagram that Joe did for the whole world to see how country and every security is worldwide. That'd be amazing. That's, that's your homework, Matty. Not me. <laughs> not it. <laughs> You're, you're, you're we'll contact all. Amity and have them do some data mining oh, for you. Amity, love it. Kudos. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think I think everybody could tell my opinion is absolutely no. Um, it is not for Christians only, and I love the fact that it is not. 
for Christians only um, because I get to sit next to this person and sit next to that person and sit next to brother Mo and every other brother that I truly love and adore and get to share in fellowship and communion with them, even though we pray to different gods. Awesome. Boom. Very no, cool. we pray to the same God with different names. That's, that's your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Let's uh, head over to Jason. Is Freemasonry Christian only? So what I will say is, I've, I've told some people about this, I think, you know, over the past year, really for the first time in my life, I've finally found peace and comfort with my spiritual life. First time ever. And that is specifically because of my experience in Freemasonry with those who are not Christians. Okay, then. Awesome. Thank you. Robert, is Freemasonry Christian only? I know it's not. Um, I can just take the, the same answer Don McAndrews gave and I'll state, no, it's not. I'll leave it like that. Short and to the point. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And your question Unlike is nice to it. Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then as for me, uh, I will say that uh, it was, it used to be when it, when it was founded. Uh, however, it's become more uh, ecumenical over time and accepting of many and all religions. And the big takeaway, I think, from, from this episode for me is that uh, although many of the morals and symbols and lessons are drawn from the Abrahamic sources, um, anyone of any faith that can let us, you know, non-atheist, at least in the um, U.S. jurisdictions, that can be inspired by other lessons depending on where the source came from and still enjoy it and still get something out of it that's what it's all about and so um, that I want to say has been um, the most enlightening part for me I want to thank you all very much for watching and keep searching for more light have a good night Wow.